Kia ora. This program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Shalom, good morning, Kioratato, Kiorana, Tano for Lava, Namaste, Maro Lelei, Nisambura, and Salam Aleikum, and welcome to this morning's Aspects of Israel program, brought to you this morning by David Swartz on behalf of the Zionist Federation of New Zealand. And I hope you're having a pleasant, relaxing weekend. Here in Wellington, it was just starting to rain as I walked down to the studio. Well, just a variety of items this morning, some sort of political and to do with Israel's security, uh, other smaller, less serious matters. But let's start with the security aspects. Uh, an interesting change that was announced it was actually uh, this this uh, short report of it came from the paper published in Abu Dubai, Dubai, sorry, Abu Dubai, the National, and it says the joint Egyptian-Israeli military committee has succeeded through a coordination meeting with the Israeli side to amend the security arrangement to increase the number of border guards and their abilities on the border area at Rafah, near Gaza. Egypt's chief military spokesman wrote on his Facebook page on the 8th of November. So that's a couple of weeks ago now. It's the first time in nearly five decades that we have troops permanently deployed along the border with Israel said Egyptian military analyst Samir Farag, a retired army general. According to the 1979 Egyptian-Israeli peace treaty, only policemen with light arms were allowed in the section on the Sinai bordering Israel and Gaza. Israel's, Egypt's deal with Israel to permanently station troops along a troubled stretch of the border in Sinai represents a qualitative leap in relations that caps years of growing security cooperation, analysts said. The deal was concluded in a meeting between the Egyptian president, el-Sisi, and the Israeli prime minister, Bennett, in September. So it was only just announced. But the interesting thing, well, there are a couple of interesting things. Egypt, for years, has had problems with security in the area south of the border with Israel, which is a pretty wild area and very easy for insurgents or 
well, ISIS groups really is what they were basically, um, easy for them to hide in, get, keep away from the Egyptian forces and strike when they when it was tactically possible. But gradually, and I think this was mentioned in a program a couple of weeks ago, gradually Egypt has gained superiority in that area to the extent that there have been even surrenders of ISIS forces to the Egyptians in recent months. And so there's now a, a situation of more stability and to tighten up on the area, the agreement now is that soldiers will be stationed along the border area. Rafa is where the crossing point is between the Gaza Strip and Egypt. And over the years, Egypt has taken stricter and stricter measures to prevent unauthorized crossings, including pulling down houses along the border on the on the uh, Egyptian side, uh, digging a deep trench and flooding the trench with seawater to make it harder for tunnels to be dug underneath the border, which was uh, a great deal of which was going on for smuggling goods and also for personnel passing backwards and forwards. But that has not been so necessary, <clears throat> excuse me, the the crossing security seems to have improved and as I mentioned the, the actual military situation has improved and so we've got this latest announcement. But also the other second, the other second thing which is of interest is that further south, actually deeper into the Sinai, is the MFO, the Multilateral Force and Observers of which New Zealand plays quite a significant role, that's not a United Nations truce force or peacekeeping force because uh, the Russians would not agree to that being set up under the United Nations auspices. So it's a, a voluntary group of military people contributed by many countries. Uh, and New Zealand has been a member of that ever since it began which followed the peace treaty in 1979. Well, actually, it was later than that because the peace treaty came into force in 1979, but there was staged withdrawal from that area. So it was later on that the MFO was set up. And New Zealand, I think, twice has, been, has contributed the leader of that group, and it has provided very helpful support to observing and maintaining peace and making sure that both sides are keep, keeping strictly to the terms of the peace treaty. So that, that's a good sign and Israel can switch its main concern, main resources I suppose, to concerns over what is happening on its northern border, particularly in the, in the area where Israel borders on Lebanon and on the Golan Heights, where it borders with Syria, well, that is not strictly a border, it's a ceasefire line. But the, the part, the demarcation between Israel and Lebanon is a United Nations-approved border. It's called the 
blue line and the conditions under which it was set up were covered by United Nations Security Council Resolution 1701. But it has not been a satisfactory arrangement for Israel because as the power and influence and military strength of Hezbollah has increased over the years, the Lebanese army, which was supposed to be the only armed force in the area directly north of the border on Lebanese territory, the Hezbollah got increasing influence, power, and started rearming in that area and bringing in missiles. And the United Nations force, which was supposed to prevent that, was ineffective. So Israel has always had to maintain very close observer, observation of what's going on there. And, uh, and you'll remember that um, discovered many tunnels which had been started in that zone where Hezbollah was not supposed to be and went under the border into Israel. However, they were discovered and destroyed. So Israel's concerns are still on that border because Hezbollah has become even more powerful and Lebanon has fallen to more and more disarray and, and uh, despair, really, because of the uh, economic situation and because of that this disastrous explosion in the harbour, in the port at, at uh, the time that nobody took responsibility for it. There is actually now a, a tribunal looking or court hearing looking at it, but it's being thwarted as much as possible by Hezbollah, which doesn't want the truth to come out. And along in the along further to the east, where the Golan Heights is an area of confrontation, Israel has been very concerned with the build-up of Iranian troops, either masquerading as Syrian army or else uh, as militias who are supported by Iran, and that is regarded as a possible flashpoint because Israel certainly doesn't want Iran as close as that to its northern settlements on the Golan Heights. So that situation is is still on high alert. Well, the other aspect of security, which I'll just touch on it. It's a, um, a report from the JTA. Israel and Jordanian economy ministers signed an agreement last week in Amman, that was at the beginning of this month, to increase Jordanian exports to the Palestinian Authority. Now, you may say, well, what's this got to do with security? But you can see, as, as, as I read on, that it's all part of the wider getting together of between Israel and its Arab neighbours. And this is obviously a, a key factor in overall security. So I'll carry on reading. Israeli Minister of Economy, Orna Barbivai, and the uh, Jordanian Minister of Industry, Trade and Supply, Yusa al-Shamali, met to 
implement economic ties between the two countries, announced Israel's Ministry of Economy on Facebook. Shamali said the agreement includes a list of Jordanian products that will get preferential access to the Palestinian market. And this was reported to Jordan news agency Petra. The list includes 425 Jordanian products to be offered duty-free to the Palestinian territories. Another 129, 329 products will also be exempt from customs if they meet Israeli technical requirements. The deal was part of a water agreement signed in mid-October between Jerusalem and Amman, and we reported that at, at the time, as well as a warming of ties. Israeli Foreign Minister Yair Lapid met in July with his Jordanian counterpart, counterpart Ayman Safadi at the King Hussein Bridge, where they announced new agreements on water and trade. The trade deal increases Jordanian exports to Palestinian areas of Judea and Samaria, also called the West Bank, from 160 million to 700 million United States dollars, but must first be agreed to and signed by the Palestinian Authority. Shamali also emphasized the strengthening of economic ties between the private sectors of Jordan and the PA. The whole thrust of this agreement and, and the water agreement as well is to defuse antagonism and aggression and make the relationships between Israel and its Arab and Muslim neighbors more normal and include the Palestinian Authority, although they are against what's called normalization, uh, Hamas even more so, as somehow being the, preventing the Palestinian Authority from achieving what it uh, says it wants to achieve. But any normal person would think that uh, an agreement such as the one I've just told you about, which improved relationships and improved uh, trade and water and interaction would be a good thing. Anyway, it has gone ahead and we'll see what the outcome is. In the meantime, let's have um, a music track and this comes from a CD called Lilacs and it's the lovely Israeli singer Esther Ofarim singing Hayu Lailot, which means there were nights. Bind
Esther Alfarim singing Are You Thy Lot? There, there were nights. The time is about 19 minutes past 11. You're listening to the Aspects of Israel program here on Wellington Access Radio, 106.1 FM, the community access radio station for the Wellington region. So you could be listening in Wellington City or in the Hutt Valley, Lower Hutt or Upper Hutt or Porurua City areas. And Wellington Access Radio has been providing this service to the public of that area since 1981. 40 years of providing that great opportunity for minority communities in the area to make their own programs, play their own music, for people to hear their own languages and generally a service that is not available through the mainstream media. The One of the excitements of the last week was the first the jailing, arrest and jailing, and then the release of an Israeli couple, Natali and Modi Oknin, who are bus, husband and wife bus drivers from Modi'in. And they were arrested outside the Media Tower, which is the tallest building in Istanbul, for allegedly illegally taking photos of the Turkish president Erdogan's private residence. They were there on a holiday and and taking photographs all around the place as they were enjoying their holiday. But for some reason, which isn't quite clear yet, the 
Turkish authorities decided that they were spies and uh, needed to be arrested. And after some very uh, intense diplomatic discussions, negotiations, uh, they were quite suddenly released and able to return to Israel uh, after eight days, which was linked in the media to the upcoming festival of Hanukkah, which also lasts eight days. This is a report from BICOM. Uh, Israeli analysts have speculated that Turkish President Erdogan was looking for an excuse to distract attention from his government's failures and falling popularity. Erdogan faces plenty of internal pressure. There's high unemployment, inflation and a weakening currency. Manufacturing an international crisis is a recurring tactic of his. Unfortunately, Israeli-Turkish relations have been strained over the last few years, largely as a result of Erdogan's Islamification and his ties to Hamas. However, in July, there appeared to be efforts of rapprochement when Erdogan phoned the newly elected President Herzog and congratulated him. The Turks could also be trying to, this is still Baikom, the Turks could also be trying to exploit the situation to make a range of demands that are on their long-term agenda. These include Turkish NGOs operating in the old city of Jerusalem and the Temple Mount, or issues relating to Gaza. Turkey also views with suspicion Israel's expanding relationships with Greece and Cyprus, which are at an all-time high. And you may recall that that's uh, quite largely due to the uh, export of gas, which is found offshore from Israel, and also a, a pipeline which will service, uh, go through Cyprus and Greece and service Europe and will make a big difference to the relationships Last month, Erdogan tried to manufacture a different crisis surrounding the arrest of 15 so-called Mossad agents who were allegedly spying on Hamas in Turkey. All the people arrested were Muslim, mostly Palestinian students from the Gaza Strip. So that's sort of keeping tension on the boil, so to speak, which is uh, one of... President Erdogan's um, pastimes, if I can put it that way. Well, looking to Israeli technology, um, an item from the TPS news service, which I picked up through JWA, which is a, a Jewish news service based in Sydney, Ford is fitting its new trucks with Israeli water-from-air technology. Ford, in the United States, has announced that it will install small Israeli-developed water-from-air units on its new vehicles, boosting the off-road experience the truck can provide. Ford has approached the Israeli WaterGen, one of the world leaders in atmospheric water generation, to facilitate a Ford off-grid adventure recreational vehicle, with the Mobile Box, that's Mobile Box is the trade name, the world's first, uh, water, oh, sorry, 
water generating system to be pre- pre-installed on Ford, Ford vehicles. Watergen's mobile box, which is capable of extracting clean water from the air, made its world debut on the Ford... I can't read it because there's a big black stripe across the pa- paper. <laughs> Sorry. It's a pickup. And it was on display at the Specialty Equipment Market Association show in Las Vegas. The mobile box can generate up to 25 litres a day of fresh drinking water, removing the need to carry bottled water and thus reducing plastic waste. Ford will mount the mobile box unit, which is fitted with sturdy wheels for ease of transport, on the flatbed of, of this is it, the Ranger, where it will occupy a small space due to its compact dimensions. And that portability means that fresh water will always be available, whether on a road trip, camping, or working outdoors. It weighs only 30 kilograms, so the impact on fuel consumption is minimal. All the system requires for optimal water production is access to fresh air, a temperature between 59 and 113 degrees Fahrenheit. I'm sorry, I haven't got that in centigrade. And 20 to 99% humidity and a 12-volt power supply, so that's a car battery. Watergen's machines have been installed in many countries around the world, including India, China, the Philippines, Vietnam, Sierra Leone, South Africa, Monaco, Costa Rica, Chile, Uzbekistan, and the United Arab Emirates. In fact, there was a news item um, program or two ago about uh, them putting Watergen's in parks in the UAE for people to just help themselves. It seems to be a very amazing technical development and one that is world-leading. Well, I'm just about coming to an end of the program. I'd just like to mention that as part of that overall improvement of relations between Israel and its neighbours, the Emirates, the Emirates Airline, have, have announced that they'll launch a daily non-stop flight between Dubai and Tel Aviv starting on the 6th of December. This uh, move comes, this is from an aviation newspaper, this move comes as the UAE and Israel continue to develop greater economic cooperation to drive growth across a range of sectors in addition to boosting trade flows between both nations. With the new daily flights, Israeli travellers will be able to connect to Dubai and through Dubai to the Emirates global route network of over 120 destinations. And this is another example of what has followed on from the signing of the Abraham Accords and it's generally regarded as a very good thing. So let me just mention that coming up is Hanukkah, the eight-day festival of the lights, starting on Sunday the 28th of November, going through to Monday the 6th of December, and a very nice festival it is too, with a lot of um, nice eating of latkes, potato, deep-fried potato um, balls, and uh, also cheesy things to do with a legend linked to Hanukkah. So um, I hope you found this interesting program and that you'll tune in again in two weeks' time. That's on Sunday the 5th of December to hear the next aspects of Israel. Until then, shalom, peace be
That programme was brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Thanks New Zealand On Air for funding accessmedia.nz.